thanks so much, Kelly. Um, and thanks everybody for joining us. So this is going to be a overview of uh, SNAP and cash assistance. We're not gonna get into a whole lot of details of either of these today, but um, enough so that you sort of get the gist of how these programs work. Um, this is my phone number and email address. I love talking about this stuff and I'm happy to answer questions or consult on cases um, as they arise. Um, so feel free, um, email is probably the best way to reach me. If you've got any questions about this stuff, um, reach out. So the agenda for today is SNAP and cash assistance, and then a little bit about how to apply and keep those benefits. Um, so SNAP will be who's eligible, how do you figure out how much um, people get, um, and then a little bit on this rule for able-bodied adults without dependents. And then we'll talk about uh, TANF cash assistance, a bit of the history of that program, and a little bit about other cash assistance programs. Uh, the lamented general assistance program that's gone, but we hope might come back, um, diversion and the um, current uh, very short-term um, application for emergency assistance program that people can apply for through July 12th. So starting with SNAP, um, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, formerly Food Stamps. Um, this is a program that pretty much everybody served by one of the plan programs uh, should be receiving. It's, uh, the eligibility rules are much broader than other programs. Um, almost all low-income people are eligible for SNAP, uh, with an exception of some immigrants are not eligible. Um, it just very quickly on immigrants, certainly undocumented people aren't eligible. Generally, you have to have a green card or a refugee or asylee um, or parolee status, one of those humanitarian statuses. And adults have to have been here for five years unless they're in one of those humanitarian categories. Children have to be in one of those immigration statuses, um, but there's no five-year wait for them. The SNAP program is a federal program, but it's administered by states. So the benefits are 100% federally funded, and it's an entitlement program. Everybody who applies and meets the criteria should be getting SNAP. Um, so that makes it really responsive to economic changes, um, where the program participation is increasing in Pennsylvania, and we expect it to increase more with this economic downturn. Um, and it's a great way to stimulate the economy. So folks in DC are currently urging an increase in SNAP benefits as a way of pumping money into the economy. This was done with the last recession. Um, so it is a federal program, but there are many state options and the states spend, pay 50% of the administrative costs. So the, if you hear about things are being done this way in Mississippi, they aren't necessarily the same in Pennsylvania. Um, as a political compromise, it's much easier in DC to say, oh, we'll leave it up to states. And then uh, some states can admit, take options that restrict eligibility and other states can take options that um, expand eligibility. And we'll talk about some of those. So um, 
When you talk about SNAP, and now we're sort of getting into representing an individual person, can they get SNAP? Um, you have to talk about whether this person's household can get SNAP. That's the basic unit of SNAP is the household. And that's people who live together and purchase and prepare food together, or you know, commonly we just say eat together. Um, and uh, people who uh, live together but eat separately, purchase and prepare separately, can be in separate SNAP households. So there's some leeway here for households to decide who they want to be part of their household um, and whose income would be considered together. Um, but there's some exceptions. Uh, the main one being here on the slide, spouses who live together always have to be part of the same household. And adults under the age of 22 who live with their parents have to be part of the parents' household, even if they eat separately. So this can be pretty heartbreaking. You can have 19-year-old uh, young women who have their own kids um, who are living at their parents' house and they may be getting TANF cash assistance for themselves and their, own, and their kid, but they cannot get SNAP separate from their parents. Um, and if the parents have um, income, they, even if the parents were willing to apply, um, they might not be eligible. Um, so this is where I said almost everybody served by a plan program should be eligible, because look at these income limits. It's, it's relatively high in our world. Um, the income limit is 160% of the property line. And if anyone in the household is elderly, which in this context means 60 or over, not that old, <laughs> 60 or over, or disabled, which means receiving a disability benefit like SSI or Social Security, uh, then the income limit is 200% of poverty. So I've got these numbers here for a single person, 160% of poverty is 16.66 a month or over 2,000 a month um, if they are elderly or disabled for a family of four. Uh, so somebody has started uh, screen sharing. Can we stop that? <laughs> Uh, Sorry about that. I'm not sure how that's happening. <laughs> okay. Um, resume slideshow. There we are. Um, uh, so those are the income limits, and there is no resource test. So it doesn't matter how much somebody has in the bank um, in Pennsylvania now. So this is an area where there are state options and an area where the Trump administration has proposed eliminating the state options. And this is something that may yet happen in 2020. We are nervous about this. Uh, the Trump administration proposes lowering the income limit to 130% of the poverty line nationwide and reinstating a resource test nationwide, which would be low, be uh, a little over $2,000 or 3,500 if somebody in the household is elderly or disabled, but very low resource limits, which just are terrible. They trap poor people in poverty. They discourage people from saving resource tests and just terrible policy. Um, so we are hoping that uh, the Trump administration um, 
concludes that it would be a really bad idea to try to finalize uh, regulatory changes that would lower the income limit and reinstate an asset uh, limit this year. So how much SNAP can you get? Well, here are the um, maximum amounts um, that vary by household size. Um, so a household of one with zero net income uh, gets 194 um, a month. A uh, household of two gets 355 a month. But it really depends on your household size, your income, and certain expenses. In the next slide, we'll talk about what expenses come off of your income to determine your net income. Uh, people are asked about their utility expenses. That's one of the um, expenses that come off of your income to determine your net income. But you don't have to prove your individual utility expenses. Everybody gets credit for $594 in utility expenses. That's another area where the Trump administration is trying to reduce state options in setting this what's called the stand utility allowance um, and if proposed rules are finalized this year that 594 would go down to something like 405 dollars which would um, cut snap benefits for almost all pennsylvania households by 40 or 50 dollars a month the basic premise here is that households will spend 30 percent of their net income on food um, and so if their net income is zero, they're going to get the maximum benefit. If their net income is higher than zero, then, um, then there's this calculation to figure out, all right, you're spending 30% of your net income on food. Um, and then how much do you have, um, uh, left to get up to this maximum and SNAP fills in the gap between 30% of your net income that you're spending of your own, uh, cash on food and SNAP fills in the gap to get you to this maximum amount. So how do you get more SNAP? You get SNAP if you have higher um, uh, countable expenses. And these are the expenses where it's really important to make sure the County Assistance Office knows that you've got these expenses to lower your net income to increase your SNAP. So housing costs, including if you have a mortgage, uh, the taxes and insurance, um, medical expenses if any of somebody in the household who is 60 or over getting a disability benefit um, expenses that are not covered by insurance so that would include back bills transportation to the doctor or the pharmacy co-pays insurance premiums uh, this is a really underreported expense so people need to be sure that they're telling the county assistance office about those expenses child care costs and if you pay child support. Um, this emergency allotments, this is a COVID-19 related uh, rule. Um, in March, Congress authorized emergency allotments to meet temporary food needs of SNAP recipients during the pandemic. It's great. Uh, what's less great is the way the USDA interpreted um, uh, what Congress wrote. USDA interpreted um, the congressional provision to say that everybody was going to get the maximum SNAP benefit during the pandemic. So let's go back to this thing of the maximum grant. Say you've got a household with 
relatively high net income and they're getting the minimum grant of $16, this is a single person, they got an emergency allotment of 178 to get them up to 194, which is great. But people who are already at 194 because they had zero net income got no emergency allotment. This is a crazy system that gives pretty generous emergency allotments to the least poor of the poor and nothing to the most poor of the poor. So CLS is suing USDA over this. We're hoping to file maybe this week, uh, next week at the latest, um, a claim that uh, USDA's interpretation is not what Congress intended and um, is inconsistent with the uh, APA. Um, so far, these emergency allotments have been issued for March, April, May, and June, and they should continue as long as there's both a federal and a state emergency declarations. So what's going on in Harrisburg with um, the General Assembly trying to stop Governor Wolf's emergency declaration, I am very attuned to because this is about $100 million a month in emergency allotments that are coming in that would end if the state's emergency ends. Um, expedited SNAP. Uh, this is also called emergency SNAP. This is the one real emergency benefit there is where um, the county assistance office has to help people right away. What the rule is, is people are poor enough, they have to get their first month's SNAP in their hot little hands within five calendar days of the date they apply. Um, and you're basically poor enough um, if your housing costs, including that $594 for your utility expenses, are more than your monthly income plus your cash on hand. And this is huge numbers of people meet this criterion. It's um, over 40% of people who apply for SNAP um, qualify for this expedited SNAP. And the way they can issue your SNAP so quickly is you don't need to uh, submit proof of the things on your application. You just need to verify your identity, which can generally be done electronically. But uh, there is a problem. Some people think, ah, look, I got my first month SNAP right away. Um, don't realize that they're not going to get their second month SNAP unless they finish the application. So their, their application has been temporarily speeded up, but they still need to submit the verification that's requested and have an interview before they can get their second month SNAP. And uh, Kelly, do you want to do the CLE thing now? I'd love to, thank you. Um, we only have one question so far, and it's about okay. the PowerPoint. So <laughs> yes, we'll send that out after the webinar. I'm launching the first of the two CLE um, question boxes. Please, if you're an attorney participating, please respond so that I'm able to track your participation on this webinar. The poll box will be up for one minute. And Louise, uh, feel, feel free to start up again. Okay, uh, and this is a time when if people have any questions, feel free to put them in the chat box. Um, uh, and I should mention uh, while we're waiting here that there's a couple handouts uh, that Kelly put in the webinar resource area, whatever it's called. Um, so there is a flyer on those emergency allotments. 
Um, uh, what else did I put in there? Uh, the calculator to, that shows um, how do you actually figure out how much somebody can get in SNAP. And then there's a report on TANF that I'm going to reference later. Um, no other questions? Nope, nothing's come in. Okay. So um, a final thing about SNAP I wanted to tell you about is, um, and this is another area where the Trump administration has um, proposed changes. And, and in fact, those changes were finalized. Um, there's a time limit on a SNAP receipt by able-bodied adults without dependents or ABOD. So this is adults who don't live with kids who are purportedly able-bodied um, can only get three months of SNAP in three years unless they are working 20 hours a week. So this was put in effect in 1996. Um, it's a terrible rule because um, it penalizes people for not being able to get a job. Um, searching for a job doesn't count. Um, states don't have to provide job opportunities. Um, and just lots of people should be exempt, aren't actually able-bodied, um, but have trouble proving that. Um, and then there's just uh, huge barriers for people um, to find employment, especially um, criminal records are a huge barrier, racism's <laughs> a huge barrier, um, and this assumption that um, people need to be starved <laughs> uh, in order to look for work is just offensive and wrong. Oops. Having trouble moving the slide. Uh, not sure uh, why. Do yeah, you do you have the poll box open on your screen? Nope, I, I closed that out. Um, I'm going to stop sharing and then try sharing again. Okay. Yeah, sorry. I'm not sure why that's happening. Okay, here we are. Um, so the thing that protects people from the um, time limit has protected people in Pennsylvania is that the 1996 law said that states can request geographic waivers of the time limit for areas of high unemployment. So since 1996, every Pennsylvania governor, Republican and Democratic, has requested uh, waivers for areas of Pennsylvania that qualify. Um, so this rule has never applied in Philadelphia in all these 20 years, uh, 24 years. Um, and in 2019, most of Pennsylvania, 63 of the 67 counties had a geographic waiver based on uh, federal criteria for getting a geographic waiver. Uh, what the Trump administration uh, proposed and then adopted, this was finalized in December, um, was a new rule um, defining uh, the geographic areas that could qualify for a um, waiver. Um, and uh, there's a lot of provisions to it, but one is that um, only labor management areas um, can be considered. So that, for example, the Philadelphia labor management area includes 
Montgomery Bucks, <laughs> Chester, um, and Delaware counties, parts of South Jersey, parts of Delaware, parts of Maryland. Um, and it's the unemployment rate in that whole area that has to be considered rather than Philadelphia's alone. Under this new definition, Philadelphia would never have, a quali have qualified for a waiver, um, even in the worst of the recession. Um, so it's a rule that is, um, uh, would eliminate waivers in all but one or two counties in Pennsylvania. So this is scheduled to go into effect on April 1st. And I and many others spent the first part of 2020 desperately trying to um, educate people so that they could be found exempt for medical or other reasons. It was 92,000 um, Pennsylvanians were expected to lose their, be subject to this time limit and risk losing their SNAP as a result of this rule. But then two things happened sort of uh, within days of each other. On March 11th, um, a Administrative Procedure Act lawsuit brought by 22 attorneys general, including Pennsylvanians, um, uh, they were awarded a nationwide injunction stopping the rules. Um, so uh, the new Trump rules that were finalized in December are not in effect. The old rules under which 63 of 67 counties qualify for waivers are still in effect. Um, but the Trump administration is appealing that nationwide injunction. Um, and CLS, you know, where I work, Community Legal Services, is joining with other legal services programs in filing an amicus brief um, in that case. But also, um, within a week or so of this nationwide injunction, as the pandemic was just um, uh, rolling out, whatever the term is, um, Congress um, put a temporary moratorium on cutting people off uh, based on this uh, three-month time limit uh, during the pandemic. Um, states that want to can jump through various hoops it, to, if they really want to cut people off. Pennsylvania has been very good about the ABOD rule and would not be trying to cut people off. So currently, nobody in Pennsylvania is subject to this time limit uh, during the length of the federal public health emergency. So that's it for um, SNAP. So I'm gonna transition over to cash assistance. Um, and I say cash from the CAO, this is the County Assistance Office, which administers SNAP and these cash programs and Medi Medicaid called Medical Assistance here in Pennsylvania. There used to be two programs and now there's only one. Uh, the, and the one is TANF, uh, Temporary Assistance for Needy Families. I'll have a bunch of slides on that. That's for families for, with children living with them and pregnant women. But I want to talk briefly about um, general assistance. So there's an awful lot of people who are not, not pregnant um, and not uh, living with children who may have no income and need cash assistance. And there was a program for them um, for decades. It's called general assistance and you had to fit into a category. The most common category was for people with um, disabilities, if their doctors would fill out a form. And uh, this program was eliminated in 2012. 
and CLS filed a class action to challenge the way the General Assembly eliminated that program. And in 2018, the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania agreed with us uh, that it had been eliminated wrongly and the program came back. But then the General Assembly um, eliminated it again last year. Um, CLS is again, uh, <laughs> uh, thinks that the General Assembly didn't do it any better this time than they did last time and is again um, suing. Um, and we hope we get a decision before six, sooner than six years as it took last time. So TANF uh, is what people think of when they think of welfare. Um, before 1996, there was a program called AFDC, Aid to Families with Dependent Children. And that was a federal state entitlement program. So there were federal rules um, and every state had a program, and if you and if you met the rules, then you were entitled to benefits. Um, and it was matching funds, so the federal government paid at least fifty percent of the cost, up to eighty percent of the cost in four states. Um, but uh, this has always been a program. Um, viewed with a um, racial lens <laughs> and the states with the highest African-American populations always paid the smallest grants even though say Mississippi was getting 80% uh, of the cost of it was um, funded by the federal government but there's always been extremely stingy. Um, so in 1996 uh, the Personal Responsibility and Work Opportunity Reconciliation Act, uh, called PORA, um, ended welfare as we know it. That was Bill Clinton's um, campaign promise, um, and it's terrible. Um, and the, the key elements of this were a block grant structure, and I'll talk about that in a sec, um, a five-year time limit, which I'm not going to talk about more. I should just tell you that um, for various reasons in Pennsylvania, um, the time limit is not really an issue here. Uh, people can continue to get benefits after five years if they need them. And I'm happy to explain why, but um, don't worry about that one here. Um, and the only thing that the, this block grant basically says, states, we're giving you a fixed pot of money, you spend it as you think best on needy families. And the only thing that the states had to show the federal government on how they to keep getting the money. The only measure of state success was what's called a work participation rate, which I call the hamster wheel. It's about, are you keeping the moms on, moms getting cash assistance busy? Um, there's a set of activities that count and moms have to be doing one of those activities for 20 hours a week if their youngest kid is under six or 30 hours a week if their youngest kid is six or over. Um, uh, so there's no measure of, are you helping families get out of, of poverty? <laughs> or are you reducing the child poverty rate? Um, nothing about our families better off. It's all a question of, are you keeping people busy and making us feel good about those poor, poor women are being kept busy? So the block grant, it's a fixed pot of money that states get in Pennsylvania. It's $719 million a year that they've gotten every year since 1996. It doesn't go up. Of course, the value of it has gone down since 1996. And 
states can use that money for a wide variety of purposes, um, which means that it's very appealing to use that money for more politically appealing purposes than cash assistance for low-income families. Um, in many states, um, there's this pretty scandalous use, uh, you know, basically supplanting state dollars um, so that they could be giving tax cuts or, or funding roads, you know, anything more popular, um, and just using the federal dollars instead. Um, Pennsylvania hasn't been quite that bad. It's spending a lot of its block grant on childcare for low-income families, but the income limit for childcare is up to 235% of poverty, relatively generous, as opposed to giving cash to, uh, well, we'll see. They're currently, um, you only get cash assistance if your income is below 23% of poverty. What we desperately want is more families uh, to get more TANF and for those TANF benefits to be more um, generous. We think that this block grant was intended to be spent um, on giving cash to families instead of all these other purposes. And uh, one thing that's really difficult with block grants is um, once the money has been given to politically popular programs, when you have a recession and when you really need to have money to give to low-income families, it's already dedicated to other purposes and it's a huge difficulty getting it back when you need it. Um, so what this means is there's been a dramatic caseload decline in every state. In 1996, there were almost half of, um, a million Pennsylvanians getting um, AFDC. It's now less than 100,000 uh, individuals, this isn't even families, um, getting TANF. This program has been um, decimated and it's, it, our safety net is shredded. It does barely exists anymore. It's terrible. And uh, a caseload decline, if folks were better off, if uh, families were getting out of poverty, if people were getting jobs, uh, that would be something to celebrate. But there's no evidence that families are better off. And uh, so the report that is um, in the resource section, um, uh, it's called Mending the Safety Net, and it's now back on CLS's website, uh, is a report we did in 2016 um, trying to sound the alarm about this caseload decline and how this program is not um, helping people the way it was intended. Another consequence of a block grant where there's no new money, and in fact, the value of the money just keeps declining, is Pennsylvania has not seen an increase in TANF grant amounts since 1990. 30 years, as this is um, longer than many of you have been alive, uh, no increase in the TANF grant. Um, and I'll, I'll get you what, to what those grants are, and I think it's the next slide. So that's the big picture. Um, getting back to the small picture of can this family that I'm working with get TANF? So TANF is for families, pregnant women. I realize this is an old slide. I should be saying pregnant people. Um, sorry about that. Um, and families with kids. Um, so the kids have to be related by blood, adoption, or marriage. Um, sometimes you've got kids living with unrelated um, adults, those kids used to be able to get GA when there was a GA program, now there's nothing for them. Parents on the kid and kids must be on the grant together. 
um, and their, all their income counts. So you've got situations where one child may get like survivors, social security survivors benefits um, uh, on their dead parents account. Um, that kid has to be on the grant with the parents and the other kids and that survivors benefits has to support them all. Um, the one exception is if somebody's on SSI, then they don't have to be on the grant. And in fact, they can't be on the TANF grant. And there are some instances where a parent is ineligible, for example, a undocumented parent um, could be getting um, TANF for citizen kids. Um, Non-parental relatives can get TANF for the kids who are living with them without being on the grant themselves. So you could have a grandmom who's raising grandkids and grandmom could get TANF for the grandkids without being on the grant herself, which would mean no work requirements for her. Um, and her, inc her income doesn't count. But we'll talk in a second about uh, why grandmom might not want to do that. So here we say the income limits. Uh, this, these are monthly grant amounts and income limits. A family of three gets $403 a month in most parts of the state um, to live on. It's just appalling. Um, as I say, not increased since 1990. Um, and uh, other income counts, you know, dollar for dollar. So as I mentioned, if you've got a, a one member of the family gets Social Security survivor's benefits uh, for, say, $450 a month, then nobody in the family gets TANF, their income is too high. Um, but somebody receiving SSI that's different from Social Security doesn't count. Um, and there's a resource limit. You can't have savings of more than $1,000 to get TANF. As a practical matter, we never, uh, that's never an obstacle. This um, income limit is so low <laughs> that if people are seeking this, they've already used up whatever savings they might have had. A couple other TANF rules um, if you want ongoing benefits, and I'm going to talk about um, there's a couple programs where you don't need ongoing, you don't um, get ongoing benefits, and these rules don't, don't apply. So there's the work requirements. Remember I mentioned that federal government gives the block grant on condition that the state keep people on the hamster wheel of working 20 or 30 hours a week or being in work activities for 20 or 30 hours a week. Um, so generally you have to go to one of the, um, their programs um, and generally they've <laughs> been pretty terrible. Um, they basically put people in front of a computer and say look for a job. Uh, the Wolf Administration is, is really trying to make them better. And there is one program that uh, we feel pretty good about. It's pretty small. It's called Keys, and it's for people who are in community college and want to get a community college uh, certificate or an associate's degree. Um, uh, and we think that program is pretty good. The other ones, um, our clients generally don't think much of. Uh, the other um, uh, sort of big TANF rule is if you are on TANF, then you, you automatically assign your right to, to child support the state, and the state is going to keep any child support that you 
that is paid for your kids, um, although there is what's called a pass-through, and some of that money will come through to the family. And you have to cooperate with pursuing child support. So this is an obstacle for grandparents who are getting, uh, who are raising grandkids and who may need some source of income for the grandkids um, and might apply for TANF. But if they do that, they have to pursue child support against their kid, the, the kid's parents. Um, this is an area where um, CLS and community, Peter at Community Justice Project want to try to get the state to um, rethink the child support cooperation requirement, and we're hoping to um, liberalize that in some ways. And there's two programs uh, that I want to talk about that address short-term needs, people um, getting a, a, a few months worth of TANF benefits all, of one, all at once and not getting on the TANF program ongoing. So the first of these is called Diversion, and it's a program that's been around a while, um, 15 years, uh, for families and pregnant people with recent work histories. Um, and they can get up to three months worth of TANF in a lump sum um, if you can show that you won't need ongoing TANF. Like you've got a plan for how you're going to support your family at the end of this um, receipt of, of a TANF grant. So basically, instead of 403, you would get, what is it, 1209 or possibly 806 um, in, in a lump sum. And then there's no work requirements, no child support um, assignment. The downside for this program is it's very nitpicky about um, show us um, what your needs are for one month, two months, or three months, and how this TANF um, diversion benefit will allow you to meet that. Um, those needs and it's very intrusive and sort of paperwork um, intensive um, so uh, it's not as um, useful as we think and we are trying to get the diversion program improved the other program and this is uh, was opened in mid-May and it was originally going to run out on June 12th and it's now been extended to July 12th. It's called the Emergency Assistance Program and we pushed hard for this and are very pleased that um, Pennsylvania is giving an emergency benefit to families that apply. Um, it's two months of a TANF grant. So a family of three would typically get 806. Um, and it's for people who were working on March 11th, who lost half of their income or more because of the pandemic. Um, so they lost their jobs, they, their hours were reduced. Um, and unlike uh, TANF and diversion, where the income limit is so tiny, you know, 23% of poverty, uh, the income limit for this EAP is 150% of poverty. So relatively high. So this is really great for families. Um, uh, who are applying for unemployment and are waiting for it to come through because um, the CAO has said that they will process these applications pretty quickly. Um, so there's a compass, a special application on compass, which is the online application system. Um, and if people can submit proof of their, um, uh, that they lost their job um, and their income uh, is now half or less of what it was before, 
um, they can be getting this EAP um, while they're waiting for their UC. Uh, one thing that we're very troubled by is that um, the way they've set this up, um, everybody needs to have a social security number. If uh, anybody in the household lacks a social security number, they can't get this EAP. We think that that's um, illegal and um, just plain wrong and are working hard to try to get DHS to fix that. They say they agree with us and are just trying to figure out how to make it work. Um, uh, Kelly, do you need to do another uh, poll? Because this would be another natural break. I do, thank you. I'm launching the second poll box for the CLE credits. If you're an attorney requesting credit for your participation, please respond. And I have a question, let me go back to it. If someone you're helping apply ends up finding employment for the future, how do you file for emergency funding? Is it rec retroactive? Um, it's not retroactive. So um, you want to get the application in um, when um, uh, your income's under 150% of poverty. Um, and they are not going to be looking forward about, oh, did you end up getting a job? Um, if, as long as you didn't lie on the application, you should be good. Um, but there isn't a retroactive process. And that's the only question that I question. have. Anybody else have any questions? Please type them in the chat box, but that's all I have for now. Okay. Um, so then just, to, I think I've just got a couple slides here about um, uh, the application process. How do you actually get these benefits? Um, so compass.state.pa.us is um, the online application system. Um, that's for um, SNAP and, and TANF, it's also, and cash, cash assistance. It's also for uh, Medicaid, LIHEAP, which is home energy assistance. Um, what else is on there? Um, you can apply for school meals through there, uh, childcare. Um, so it's a pretty comprehensive application uh, process. Um, but there's also a paper application. One thing we're really seeing is how, uh, what proportion of Philadelphians at least, but I think statewide, used to submit applications on paper. And this is, we are worried about the um, lack of an increase in applications during this pandemic. And we're worried that people who are used to submitting paper applications are just not being able to get through because the county assistance offices are closed at the moment. Um, you submit the application and then there's this whole process of, of what's called verification. So people like to prove their income, their identity, their address, um, their assets for TANF. Um, some of this is the county assistance office can do electronically, um, but um, many people who get denied, it's not that they aren't eligible, it's because they couldn't navigate this verification process of submitting what the county assistance office wanted them to submit. Um, so that you know they have a, mobile app, it's called My Compass PA, and that's a really good way to actually communicate with the County Assistance Office. You can report changes there. 
um, and also you can upload documents as part of this verification process. Um, you need to have an interview uh, for TANF. Uh, historically, it's needed to be face-to-face. -face. These days, of course, it's not face-to-face. -face. It's um, over the phone. For SNAP, it's historically been over the phone, but during the pandemic, they got permission from the federal government to skip the interviews. Um, so interviews are not happening for SNAP at the moment. Uh, application has to be processed within 30 days. Um, so within 30 days, people should be getting a notice in the mail saying your benefits have been approved or your benefits have been denied uh, for this reason. And then you have a right to appeal. And we uh, strongly urge people to do that. This is the bread and butter of county of CLSs. Um, benefits work, uh, all the other uh, plan programs, um, uh, people's applications that have been not denied or cut off, we file appeals, we get the verification, we reschedule the interview um, and get the people the benefits. Uh, same thing about my last slide not working, hold on. Um, and then finally, um, uh, once you're on, you don't get to keep benefits forever. <laughs> uh, you need to keep proving you're eligible. So six months after your application uh, was approved, you're going to get what's called a semi-annual report form or a SAR form. And that's going to say, has anything changed? Um, and you have to report changes. Um, and submit your pay stubs. Um, so a SAR form will be for a particular month. You know, the month before you get the form, they're gonna want all the pay stubs for that month. Um, in between semi-annual reports, people do have to report changes. Uh, the reporting changes rules are complicated, um, but uh, a key thing for people to report is address changes because a lot of people lose their benefits because they didn't report their address changes. Um, and then the semi-annual report form or the renewal form after a year after the initial application uh, gets returned by the post office and the county assistance office turns off your benefits saying, we got return mail, maybe you moved to Oklahoma, um, you're not here anymore, you don't need our benefits. Um, so make sure they, the county assistance office knows your current address. After 12 months, uh, you'll get a renewal form. Um, and this is essentially the same as the initial application. You still need an interview. Um, the renewal form is just a little shorter and is finally pre-populated because they know your information already. Um, and if you get denied, um, uh, people should appeal, but uh, for those of you um, who remember Goldberg versus Kelly, my favorite Supreme Court decision, that says that uh, if you appeal uh, welfare benefit um, cutoffs uh, within 10 days of the cutoff, then your benefits have to continue while you wait for a hearing. Unfortunately, that rule doesn't apply at the end of a certification period for SNAP, um, but it does apply um, for TANF at all times, uh, Medicaid for all times. Um, and that is it.
So does anybody have any questions? We don't have any currently. We'll give a moment or two for people to type anything in that they may have, if that's okay. Yes, of course. And I don't see anything um, popping up in the chat box. Okay. Um, Molly, as I say, if you think of questions later, I'm happy to um, chat about any of this. Um, and I guess we'll give you a few minutes back in your day. Um, thanks so much, people. Thank you so much. Have a great day.